0: Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and uh, let's look at, going uh, to we'll look at some scripture. Uh, Numbers 14.1 is going to be the first scripture we look at, but uh, this is a second part of a two-part message that we we're talking about, seeing through the eyes of faith. Now last week, I'm just going to give you, it will take about three or four minutes just kind of get everybody back together what we were talking about. We talked about faith is seeing from God's point of view. Now how many of you know there's, there's always more than one way of seeing things? Somebody say amen to that. So we're talking about seeing from God's point of view, and faith is not desire. Faith is not wishing or hoping for something, although, you know, hope is, is maybe the beginning of that, but it's not that. Faith is not feelings. It's not, you know, I feel this. Well, it might be okay, but that's not faith. Faith is not feelings. a matter of fact, sometimes feelings get in the way of faith, okay? Faith is not bargaining with God. So what is faith? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith. It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we begin to show you what happens when we see through the eyes of fear versus the eyes of faith. And sometimes we begin to see the problem and the problem moves us instead of our God moving us. And we talked about that. So uh, we're going to look at some things this morning. So we're going to begin to show you what happens when we see with eyes of fear, and we, we talked about that first, and then with eyes of faith, we said that fear paralyzes, but faith energizes. If you have faith in your life, it's going to change the dynamic of you and those around you. Why? Because faith can move mountains, and faith, you know, it, it's what pleases God. God uh, is pleased when he sees his creation moving in faith. When we operate in fear, we also we exaggerate our difficulties, when you look at the problems with eyes of fear, they, they get bigger. They begin to this swell, okay? The report that was in the land that came last week, we talked about the children of Israel. The report was there's giants in the land. Now, there was a lot of good things in the land, but all they saw was the giants in the land, okay? And they said they're going to crush us. So they exaggerate their difficulties. And number three, we underestimate our abilities. We said in Numbers 33, 13, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them now uh, you talk about low self-esteem okay now there's a a, a, and and the question i have is how did they know how they look to the enemy they didn't know that they they it's called projection there's a word that's called projection they're projecting something that's not really even there okay and sometimes we do that uh, they were not in Egypt anymore. We're, you know, They had been delivered out of Egypt but Egypt was still in them. It was in their minds. They had been slaves for 400 years and seemingly in their minds they were still slaves. And, uh, and, and so that's what the situation was. So before we go any further, that's kind of a little uh, snapshot of last week. Bow your heads with me. We want to just ask God to bless our time together. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd have your way in this service this morning. God, we are looking to you today. Help us, O oh Lord, to see through the eyes of faith and not fear, we ask in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Number four in your notes, that's what we're picking up today. Number four in your notes: we get discouraged. Write that in your note. We get discouraged. First, they overestimate their problems, they exaggerate their difficulties, and they ex- exaggerate and underestimate their ability of what God said they could do, and now they get discouraged. And, and, and we do the same thing at times. Look at Numbers 14:1 in your notes. I have it there, or you can look in your Bible, and it says, Then all the people begin to weep aloud, and they carried on all night. They had a giant pity party, okay, poor us. They're crying and they're weeping and, uh, because they didn't get to go into the promised land, okay? And again, they were delivered out of Egypt but they had too much Egypt in them and God had to keep them where they were and they had to get on the treadmill a few more times and walk around by faith, okay? So what's keeping them out? It was their fear, the thing that was keeping them out. The only thing that kept them out was fear. God wasn't keeping them out. It was their fear keeping them out. They're not living by faith. They get discouraged. Now, How many times in our Christian journey do we let fear paralyze us and keep us from going forward when God wants us to go forward and we're not going forward and we need to take inventory of that? And next, we move from discouragement to griping. Number five, write this down. We start to gripe about all that's happening in our lives and everything that's going on and, and to go wrong in our lives. All those things that are happening there, okay? Look at Numbers 14.2. It says, after the all-night pity party, it says, then all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They begin to pick on the leaders, and this is what they said. We wish we had died in Egypt, okay, feeling sorry for themselves. They wailed, or or even here in this wilderness, they're saying, oh, I, I wish we'd just die right now. First, they mourn, and then they begin to murmur. First, they cry, and now they begin to complain, okay? What is it? It's discontent, okay? It's discontent. And by the way, let me say this to you. Highly critical people are always highly insecure people. And, and, and why? Because it's dominated by fear. Fear gets into their life, okay? And fear can do a, a work on you. Fear can do, mess you up, okay? When you find somebody who is critical of other people, it's because they're incredibly insecure about themselves. And because they're, in, you know, about themselves, in, you know, insecure about themselves, they're critical about other people. And if I don't feel about good about me, it's going to be hard for me to feel good about somebody else. Can I get a witness this morning? Okay, so you follow me. So I'm going to criticize and I'm going to complain and I'm going to be against any success, you know. Somebody's having a little bit of success, you begin to complain about that. Instead of rejoice, the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with those that weep. And we begin to have a, a, an attitude about someone that's been successful. Folks, if they have been successful, we need to just come beside of them and pat them on the back and say glory to God. I'm glad God's blessing you. Somebody say Amen. So we underestimate our abilities, we get discouraged, we gripe about our lives. And next, in your notes, number six, we eventually give up. Everybody say give up. We give up and we begin to blame God. Look at Numbers 14.3. I'm I'm doing an exegetical uh, uh, way of going through the scripture this morning, breaking bread with you. Look Look at this. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to be killed with swords? Why did God bring us here to be killed? God didn't bring them there to be killed. God brought them there to bless them. But in their eyes, God needed to open the eyes of their hearts that so they may see the way God sees things. God wasn't there to, to kill them. God wasn't there to, uh, to do any wrong to them. God was there to bless them. God was taking them into a, a land with milk and honey, the Bible says. In other words, it was just a rich, very rich land. And God says, this is yours. God says, I want to give the people to you too. But fear came into their lives. You know what they're saying there? it's what they're saying we know better than you God we're we're seeing this situation see I've been in situations where God has told me something and I begin to feel that and I've prayed and others begin to sense that but then you have some people say oh we can't do that we've tried that that doesn't work let me tell you something all things are possible with God and if God's in something folks I don't care if it is impossible he can do it somebody say amen so they are second guessing, now all of a sudden they're remembering the, the good old days in Egypt, come on somebody, the good old days, yeah, they eating garlic and stuff like that, come on somebody, yeah, sweating under the, you know, I mean, uh, the things they had to eat and the things they had to do, I mean, are you serious? You know, God is holding them back, their fear is holding them back, but they're thinking about the good old days, what was the good old days, 400 years of slavery, that's the good old days, come on somebody, and sometimes we can do that in the church. Well, we want to go back to the good old days. Folks, you, I like what my mother said. My mother said, hey, the best days are today. Come on, somebody. I like living in today. Somebody say amen. I like all the technology. I like all the things we have today. Oh, I know there was things that God did back then, but let me say this. God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And what he did back then, he can do today. That's my God. Somebody say amen. It was slavery, but it was safety to them. It was safe slavery. A lot of people get stuck in the safe slavery in their minds. They're, they're stuck in their minds. They, they got fear in their minds. And in their minds, uh, they get stuck because of fear, okay? Uh, why would anybody want to go back to Egypt? It was because of, uh, it was safe slavery to them. A lot of ge- people get stuck in this safe uh, uh, slavery area of their lives, okay? They're enslaved by a relationship. They're enslaved by fear. They're enslaved by a habit. They're enslaved by compulsion. And they're enslaved by a thought. Uh, and I have to do certain things and, and, and let me go do this and, and really I do that. But at least it's predictable and it's comfortable we get into a situation In our lives, we got to watch that because even today we can get in the same mindset that the children of Israel got in. I know what's in Egypt. Some of you are doing that. Okay, come on. Some of you are confusing slavery with safety even today. In, in in 2015, we're doing the same thing. I know it's a bad situation, but at least, Pastor, it's predictable, okay? I know this habit is self-defeating, but it's comfortable, and it's just who I am. It's what I do. It's who I am. There is no real freedom without taking risks. Somebody say Amen. You can get out of that situation. You don't have to stay in a situation that you are. Let me tell you something. God has some good things in store for you, and God wants to get you to the place where you need to be today. Amen. Safety and freedom are on opposite ends of the spectrum, okay? You're either moving towards safety or you're moving towards slavery or you're moving towards taking risk. And freedom. Come on, somebody. God made you to be a risk taker. And we need to step out of the boat like Simon Peter. Come on, somebody. You begin to step out of the boat and walk on the water at times, so to speak. And and it might not be a, a literal thing that you're doing, but I'm saying in your faith, God may have you to walk in the area that you've never walked in before. And by faith, you can do it. Come on, somebody. Now, let me contrast that with what the Bible says what's happening. When we start to live our lives... Seeing everything by faith, oh my, by learning to be a dreamer, learning to see God's vision, and learning to look at things, not as they are, but as they could be. In other words, some of you need to take that kind of a stance today. Oh, I'm thinking about Martin Luther King Jr. Who changed a nation because he said, I have a dream. And he wouldn't let go of the dream. He wouldn't let go of the dream. And let me tell you something. He changed a nation because he would not let go of his dream. Some of you, God's given you a dream and you've let go of your dream. Come on, somebody you're thinking that dream is too far out there can you imagine what he went through in jail and all the things same as the apostle Paul I mean you know sometimes you know the enemy will come against you if you have a dream but you need to keep your eyes on God come on somebody and you need to begin to realize that God has some things in your life that he wants to do but you need to see through the eyes of faith there's a couple there are about six things I'm going to talk about today I may pick up another one or two, but there could be fifty, but I'm just gonna go real fast with these, so it's not gonna take long, but I want you to see these things, okay? Number one, write this in your note. Faith shrinks my problems. When you have faith in your life, it shrinks the problems in your life. Faith begins to shrink the problems. So, the first thing I do is when I begin to open the eyes of my heart, I begin to see what God is doing all around me. I begin to look at things from God's viewpoint uh, and it shrinks my problems, okay? I, you know, and here's the thing, okay? It gives you a new perspective. Can you say the word perspective? It gives you a new perspective when you see your problems from God's point of view. Then everything else get a whole new manageable perspective. Can I get a witness this morning? How many of you know when you get up in a, you know, how many of you have uh, flown in an airplane? Let me see your hands. Probably everybody here. How many of you know when you begin to get up high in the sky, everything looks a little bit different down here? You begin to see things differently. New perspective. If you have, as I said earlier, if you have a big God, you know, problems get small. But if you have, a, you know, if you have a small God, you've got big problems. Come on, somebody. So you, it's the way that you are looking at things. When, when you come to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, you are so big, you can handle this problem. Uh, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm going to let you have it out. I'm going to just trust you. Uh, and I'm going to walk with you. Let me tell you something. It's going to change things in your life. It's called seeing with the eyes of faith, okay? And, and, and you're going to let God work it out, and you're, then you're going to relax, okay? And, and, and here's what you're going to do: you're going to say, "How is it going to be solved?" Well, you're going to say, "That's God's problem." Everybody say it's God's problem. You know, a lot of times I don't know about you, but I'm an analytical person. How many of you are analytical? Let me see your hands. You know, you just kind of you, you know. My, sometimes my wife is talking to me, and she, you know, and I'm trying to analyze work things, and she said, "I just want you to hear me. I'm not want you to solve this problem." And my mind's getting, "Mm, I'm going to fix this, uh, you know, analytically looking at this, you know. And sometimes we try to do that when God, come on, somebody. When we know that we can't do nothing about our problems anyway, only God can. What we need to do is trust God. Lord, open the eyes of my faith and the heart that I may see what you are doing in and through me. And God can do it. Somebody say amen. amen. So it's God's problem. It's not my problem. It's God's problem. See, faith begins to shrink my problems. Couple of scriptures, Genesis 18 4. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm asking you, church that this morning. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mmm, no. I like that. Luke 1 37 says, For nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God if you were to come into my office and you pull out and my wife got me a set of dictionaries uh, you know and the, uh, the thesaurus and all those things you know to make sure that I'm you know putting the cross in my t's and dot my I's come on somebody and, 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 but if you pull that little dictionary out and you look at the word impossible it's not in there you say what's well, in mine well it's not in mine it's not in God's and it's not in mine either come on somebody because I took it out I cut it out come on somebody because I believe all things are possible with God. I just marked it out. I said, That's, I'm marking that out. God's marked it out. I'm marking it out. It's not my vocabulary. The Bible says nothing is impossible with God. I looked up the word nothing in the Greek. You know what it means? Nothing. Everybody say nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. Well, you say, well, pastor, you don't know my problem. No, well, you don't know my God. Number 2 write this down faith opens the door for a miracle. Mm. I said faith opens the door for a miracle. You know some of you know that that I'm connected with the United Theological Seminary and God you know 12 years ago God took me there and I and after I was there I thought, God what are you what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Okay. And uh, what am I doing in the seminary? Well, this past week we had a service where I saw the president of the United Theological Seminary in a prayer line getting prayed for. I have a pastor friend that's a Baptist. He fell out in the spirit. Hallelujah, slain in the spirit. I'm looking at faculty consultants and, 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 and all these people down there with all different kinds of backgrounds. And I mean, from Catholics to Methodists to all these different... And, and they're slain out laying in the floor all over the place. And I'm sitting back there just grinning like a possum. Oh, I know you are going to do this, Lord. Well, go back 12 years ago, I didn't know that. But you know what? How many of you know we're light? And light needs to go in dark places. Salt needs to go where things need to be salted. A savor there, okay. In other words, God may be, you know, we, we may have some breakout in some things in your life. God might be doing some things, and let me just say, faith opens a door for miracles. And we've got—how many of you have heard the name Randy, uh, Randy Clark? Let me see. Anybody heard of Randy Clark? Okay, Randy Clark was the one that God used in, in the Toronto blessing in Canada in 1994. It lasted twelve and a half years—a revival, twelve and a half years, of revival 125 years 6 days a night for twelve and a half years. And uh, you know, I got—you know—I was with Randy this week, and anyway, he was there ministering at the school. And I'm thinking, wow. That revival was the longest revival in the, on, on the North American continent. The longest revival, uh, 12 and a half years. Think about that. Six days a week, 12 and a half years. You know, I tell you what, three or four weeks would be good, but how many of you know uh, about uh, 12 years and three months, it's like, whew, it's getting tired, tiresome around here. Can you imagine the things that you have to do? But let me tell you something. Faith opens doors. Somebody say amen. Faith opens doors, okay? Now, faith can move mountains. If you do a study... In the Bible, if you do a study in history, you find out that every time that God moves on the earth, he does it through miracles because somebody believed. And when you believe, things can change. When you believe, circumstances can change. How many of you know that, you know, Jesus, you know, the very fact. uh, You think about the Bible, you you believe the Bible, you believe in a virgin birth. It's like, wow, that's a miracle. Come on, somebody. You believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. We're talking miracles here. Come on somebody. We're talking supernatural. And when you begin to see through the eyes of faith, you're seeing in the supernatural and God is helping you to get to the place where you've never been before and God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Come on somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. So faith opens doors to miracles. Hebrews 11:22 Have faith in God. If you have faith in God, I'm Mark eleven I'm sorry. If you have faith in God and you don't doubt, you can tell this mountain to get up and jump into the sea and hit wood, whatever you ask in prayer will be yours if you only have the faith. Now, I tell you what, some people would like to tear that out of the Bible. It's like, now, I don't know if that's for today. What are you talking about? Why is it even in there if it's not for the day? Come on, somebody. What's that? You know, it's just a cop out. That's what that is. It's because you don't want to go there because that's supernatural. That's beyond you. Let me tell you something. God can do more than you will ever think if you can believe it. Somebody say, "Man, what's God talking about here? Telling a mountain to go jump in the sea?" Now, folks, I'll tell you what. If somebody sees you going talking to a mountain, they may, they have a place for you here in Dayton on that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You're talking to mountains. But God tells us we need to talk to mountains. Now, you might not be literally talking to a physical mountain, but you may have a mountain of doubt. You may have a mountain of despair. You may have a mountain of finances. Come on, somebody, that you need to speak to this morning in the name of Jesus, and you're believing God to help you in your circumstances. Come on. God has set up the universe in a hierarchy of laws. And the law of faith is actually a higher law then the laws of nature. The laws of nature will say one thing, but the law of faith will supersede the law of nature. If you believe that, say amen. amen. How many of you know you cannot, you know, physically, literally walk on water naturally? Somebody say amen. amen. But if you believe the Bible, a man by the name of Simon Peter and Jesus was walking on the water... And, and, and when he come by the boat, they were terrified, and they began to see it was Jesus. And, and Peter, that, that, you know, he got so excited. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And the Bible says that he put his number 12 over the boat into the water amen. and began to walk in the water. Amen. Oh, see, there's things that God wants you to do. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's where miracles come in, Okay. When the laws of nature, and there's a higher law of faith, supersedes that. See, you know, you know, you, you, you talk about open the eyes of my heart, open the spiritual eyes. There is a spiritual kingdom that many cannot see right now, but it's visible, it's there. How many of you believe? And demonic spirits let me see your hands would you, would you be honest with me how many of you believe in angels let me see your hands okay well that's in the that's in the the world of the spirit okay so when your eyes are open God you can begin to see things in that realm that you could not see before so because when faith is used the law of faith comes into practice and God sets up the fact that the law of faith can actually do more than the laws of physics So, because it's the law of faith. And if you actually had real faith, you could jump, uh, uh, you know, you could say, go jump into the ocean and the mountain would obey you. Now, does God still perform miracles today? How many of you believe that? All right. I want to say this, of course he does. On the count of three, I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. Of course he does. Say it again. Of course he does. Say it one more time. Now, some of you need to go to the mirror and look in the mirror and convince your face that he does. (laughs) Of course he does. How many of you desire miracles? Let me see your hands. How how many of you know that you know people, I know people, and sometimes we're there as well, that we need something in the supernatural realm? Well, folks, if you don't believe in that, it's not going to happen. You know, the way that you were saved, you had to believe it by faith. You know, you had, to, you had to believe to be saved. Somebody say amen. You had to confess. You had to believe. You know, that's, that's how salvation, you had to believe it. You had to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be, help me out, saved. Believe. Everybody say believe. So to have faith, you have to believe. And the initial of that is being saved, being born again. That's supernatural. You are born again. Hallelujah. You're born again. In other words, you are, you're born again, okay? And then it opens the door for other things in your life. Every time you stretch your faith, God does miracles every single time. My question is, what's the mountain in your life this morning? What is the need that you have today that you need to believe God for? What is the mountain in your life that you're saying it's never going to change? Well, you've already decided. That's a self-defeating, self-fulfilling prophecy for you you're believing it's never going to happen folks let me tell you what it's never going to happen for you oh I know I got quiet I'm preaching good now you see you have to believe it well I won't pastor I want you to just pray for me I'll pray for you but let me tell you something you're going to have to believe it did you hear me now are you listening to me you have to believe it. You have to get it. You have to believe it. And when you believe it, let me tell you something. Every devil in hell is going to run away because they know it's going to happen. They can't stop it because you believed it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Did everybody say it's going to happen. Maybe God wants you to do a, a law of faith, you know, superseding the law of nature, whatever that may look like. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know. But let me just tell you this. In the Bible, in the Bible, there was many things that happened. It's like, I don't know about that. I, how did that work? How about the woman with the oil that it, it, it never ran out? I mean, it just kept coming coming coming. You say, well, that, that was in the Bible. Let me tell you, Corey Ten Boone said the same thing. She had a little, some medicine, her and her sister. And, and they was in the concentration camp. Now, she said this. She was in her 80s when she said this. I heard her say this. She was talking about this, and she's, she's going on to heaven now. But she was, a, she was a product of those that was in the concentration camps by, uh, by the Germans in, in World War II, okay? And she said she had that little bit of medicine, and they was just going to keep it for her and her sister, you know, and, and, you know. But she said that they couldn't do that. They had to share it. And they said for the whole—I don't know how many—three years or whatever it was—that they were in that concentration camp. That they used that little bottle of medicine. Everybody in there was taking some of that medicine, and it never ran dry. So that's a miracle, Pastor. Well, yeah, we serve a miracle-working God. I mean, God's in miracles, now, folks. You got—I'm—you know—I'm not telling you nothing that the Bible doesn't say. Matter of fact, I won't do that. But if it's in the Bible, let me tell you something, it's, it's in there for a reason. Somebody say amen. He's done it in the past. He can do it in the present. He's done it all around the world. Faith opens doors for miracles. miracle. If you believe that, say amen. God is in the mountain-moving business. Look at the verse in Matthew 13, 58. Jesus did not do. Everybody say, did not do. Jesus did not do many miracles there. He's talking about a town because of their lack of faith. He's talking about a town because of their unbelief. You know, sometimes, you know, and and it's happened with me, there's some people that you you want to go in with you to pray. Matter of fact, there's times that Jesus only took one or two in with him when he was doing a miracle. Why? Because the other ones, they didn't believe this was going to happen anyway, and the only thing it's going to do is just have a wait. I said Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Did not do many miracles in a, a particular town because of their unbelief. See, unbelief is just like it's like a prison. It, it'll get you in a prison. Even Jesus didn't see the miracles there that he wanted to do things, and he couldn't do things. Now you say, "Well, he was a son of God. He could have done anything he wanted to." Yeah, he could have if he'd operated as the son of God. But let me tell you something: he operated the same way that you and I can operate today. He began to operate in the world of opening the, the eyes of faith and operating that way. He didn't do it as the son of God. He did it as a son of God like you and I. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Matter of fact, that's what the devil wanted him to do. And he said, you know, if you be the son of God, you just cast yourself down. Nothing's going to happen. He said, you're not tempting the Lord thy God. You get it? Number three, write this down. Faith moves God to act on my behalf. Faith moves God to act on my behalf. Now, 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 don't get me wrong when I say that it moves God on my behalf. Now, that doesn't mean that God is our servant. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not saying that. But God said for us to ask. Everybody say he's told us to ask. Matter of fact, he said, ask and it shall be. Seeking you shall. knocking it shall be. Opened unto you. See, that's what he told us to do that. So if he told us to do it, it's okay, okay? Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. God says, you get to choose how I bless you. According, notice this, notice this, notice this. According to whose faith? Our faith, my faith, your faith, according to our faith, according to our faith. Faith plays a part. I said faith plays a part. Come on, somebody. Do you want to know why God has blessed many people's lives? Not because that they deserve it, because they don't. Not because they're smarter than everybody else, because they're not. But according to their faith, it was done unto them. Because they believed, because they stepped out and many times defying the laws of even nature. I don't know about you, but there's been times so literally I believe God has helped me. I, I, I've looked at my gas hand and I, you know, I told my kids, and I, I've, te- I've talked to this and they'll tell you, that E doesn't mean enough, it means empty. <laughs> don't push it, I told them. But every one of them, they had, to, had to get a gas can and go put gas in Come on somebody. but i caught myself in one of those situations where that i had to be somewhere and i was really late and it was a dire situation it was you know it was something you know almost like a life and death situation and i'm speeding to get to this place and i looked down and it was dun 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 and it's mission impossible come on dun 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 so i lay my hand on the dashboard dun 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 lord I pray over this tank. Now, folks, don't push the envelope to the place that you don't want to buy gas anymore. Don't do that. I'm not telling you to do that. <laughs> it was, oh, my. Forget Speedway. It's gone. I'm, it's the hand anymore on the dashboard. <laughs> no, no, no. According to whose faith? Your faith. So God is not moved by my complaints. God is never moved by my griping. God is not move, moved by my complaining. God is not moved by my grumbling. God is not moved when I say, I, I, you know, here's the way he's moved. God is moved when I say, I am trusting you. And God, I am in your promises. I'm standing on them. And when you put your name on that promise, and I'm expecting you to do it, that God will bring the benefits of that. If you believe that, say amen. That takes us to the next one. God unlocks all the promises of God. There's about almost 8,000 promises in the Bible, and they're like blank checks waiting for you to claim and put your name on it. Now, if you want to be a person of faith, a man of faith, a woman of faith, you must learn to become a, a, a promised person. You need to memorize the promises of God that you can claim them. Let me tell you something. Don't wait till you get sick and, then, you know, and, and, and try to go somewhere and learn about all the scriptures on healing. No, no, no. Know them now. Come on, somebody. Know what the Bible says. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the Bible says if, any, if there's any sick and afflicted among you, let them call for the elders of church, anointing them with oil. And the prayer, prayer, prayer of faith. Come on, somebody. You see where God is wanting us to get active in the things of God and faith, trust in him to see things happen. So there's promises there. Here's 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. But you need to underline that. All the promises of God in the Bible, in his word, in his scripture, they're yes in Christ. See, faith unlocks the promises of God. So there's a promise there. Faith unlocks that promise of God in your life. Number five, write this down. Faith turns God-given dreams into reality. We talked earlier about Martin Luther King and his dream changed the nation because he had a dream. See, some of you have had a dream, and you know what? It might be a nightmare right now, but you had a dream, and it seemed like, you know, where did that dream go? You need to, you know, the Bible says, In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men, help me out. Well, dream dreams. Young men will see visions. In other words, you need to have those dreams and visions about things in your life that God wants because God is wanting to be active in your life and this is an area and an opportunity that can happen. Ephesians 3.20, glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream, there's that word dream, infinitely beyond our highest prayers and desires and thoughts and hopes God can do those things. Somebody say amen. The last one, I'm going to give it to you. Now, i got a video. you got to see this. I, I, I just want you to see this video. It's going to be powerful. Faith gives me power to hold on in tough times. Faith gives me power to hold on in tough, tough times. You will always have pain and suffering in, 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 in times in your life, Okay. It's all that, that, that'll be there all the time. Faith gives you the ability to handle it. Yeah. So you're going to have a problem. You know, I've said, oh, God, I don't want to have no problems. Okay, all right, uh, pastor, then um, I'll take you home. Oh, no, no. What is it? I want to go home. Well, you said you didn't want to have no more problems. <laughs> See, we're in a problem world. And as long as you are got two feet on this planet Earth, there will be problems. You will face difficulties. You will be times that, you know, there's, it, it, why? Because this world is cursed. It's cursed, okay? And it's going to happen. So we, you know, but through that, God can help you, okay? It didn't, you know, now, you will always have pain, but God gives you ability to handle it. It didn't take you out of the storm, okay? But he won't take you out of the storm, but he will calm you in the midst of the storm. Somebody say amen. Where they, everybody else is just they're freaking out, they don't know what to do. Remember Jesus when they was on the you know the sea and and, and all of the turmoil was happening and, and, and they thought they was gonna sink and they, they said, well, well, well where's the preacher? Where's Jesus? Well he's sleeping, huh? We're about to die and he's sleeping? We're 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 gonna perish and he's sleeping? He was calm in the midst of the storm. Amen. See, God gave you a calm in the midst of a storm. You're going to have storms in your life. Now, the way you handle that, if you have faith, you're going to and trust in God. You're going to realize, God, and here's, here's what the promise was. Here, going back to the promises, the promise was, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Now, when God says we're going to the other side, folks, we're going to the other side. Come hell or high water, we're going to the other side. And so all they need to do is say, "Well, God said we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side." But they didn't, you know. They're, they're they're seeing all the storms, and you know, my wife and I had the opportunity. We went up to Putnam Bay area and took a little ferry across. And man, it come a big storm, and it come real quickly too, like that. They had cars on there and uh, taking some cars across. And man, that car was going up and down. I thought, like, man, this thing's going to flip over. I'm just like, whoa. I could just imagine what was happening on a smaller boat that these guys, that Jesus and the disciples had. I mean, they, they, they were in the midst of a storm, but Jesus in the midst of a storm was very calm. And you know what he said to them? Oh, it's okay. It's okay, Joe. It's okay, Joe. It's okay. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? Be still. Yeah, he said be still. But then what did he say to the disciples? Oh, ye, Little little faith guy here. All you had to do is just believe. You know, you could have done the same thing I did. I believe one of them disciples would have stood up and said, Peace be still. And they'd had the faith that God had done the same thing Jesus done. But they didn't do that. They were affected by it. Well, I'm preaching good this morning. You should be saying amen. Second Corinthians, we're finishing up. Now I'm circling the airport. We're getting ready to land. Come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. Paul's testimony, and Dan read it this morning. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are broken. We are not broken. We're perplexed. That means that we're confused and we don't know why this happened. We're perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We're attacked, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we're not knocked out, he says. We get up, and we keep going. Where do you get resilience like that? And there's only one word, faith. Everybody say faith. In the midst of that, you have faith. By faith, by, by the way, faith is the way that we get to know God. As I said earlier in John 316, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what, what was it? Well, you know, if God wants to save me, he probably will. No, he won't. He's already put some laws in motion. He's already put his word out there. His word says, you have to, help me out, believe.